Hey there, baddie. You've just arrived at the Embodied Baddie Podcast, where career-driven women who hold themselves to a higher standard in all areas, especially personal growth, hang out. I'm your EBIC, Crystal Rose, and I'm so happy you're here. there, friend. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Crystal Rose, your host, and I'm so happy you're here today. And today I've got a girlfriend chat with my friend, Colleen Gillum-Judd, and she's a certified financial planner. So yes, 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 yes. We are talking about money. So you're going to want to save this episode, hang on to it, refer back to it because it's it's going to be a pretty good jam session. Hey there, Colleen. How you doing? Good. Thanks. I'm super looking forward to our chat today. Yes. I think a lot of people are like, financial planning, that's so boring. (laughs) I know. I wish it wasn't true, but that is usually the first thing people think. (laughs) Yeah. So before, before we hopped on, we were talking about the idea of how money is viewed as like bad, right? And I really think I really kind of want to go into that because I think how um, money is portrayed in movies and film, you know, TV shows is like there's always like the rich, greedy person, right? Like they're always evil, bad, and they have all these like bad plans and stuff. And and I truly believe that that is is strictly to show people who are good hearted, right? Like the people who are like I'm not bad like that, that they shouldn't want money, <laughs> and that if you are a bad person. If you desire money, if you want to make more money, if you, you know, want abundance of money or quote unquote more than you need. So yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that because I think it's just, it's it's such an icky thing and it really doesn't have to be. It's so strange that it has turned into that culturally, right? That Mm -hmm. if you want money, you must be greedy or some other negative sort of connotation that we've seen through movies, especially for women right? Saying out loud that you want to make X amount of dollars. It doesn't matter what it is, but heaven help someone if they say they want to make a million dollars, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) They get viewed negatively. And it's really challenging for me because I spend a lot of time, which I enjoy working with my clients to get over that. Mm. Money's, Money's a tool, no different than any other appliance in your house. You don't get mad because your fridge keeps stuff cold. That's its job, <laughs> right? You know, that seems weird, but it's just a tool. And that's that's what we talk to people about money is when, you know, when you're talking to your spouse or you're even thinking about money for yourself is going, well, this is just a means to get to where I want to go. It it's allows a resource. Me, yeah. It's a resource. Right. It's not, it's not, doesn't have, an emotional value. It doesn't have an ethical value. It is just a thing that you use to do the thing that you want to do. Right. And we put that on it. Like we project our crap onto money. (laughs) Like we decide it's good, bad, evil, all of the things. And, and when you're saying like about how women, you know, like God forbid they say they want to make a million dollars or more. Every time I've ever talked to a woman who has, has made like a big declaration like that, has always followed it up very quickly with like all the good she wants to do with it. Right. Like, like she Mm -hmm. needs to justify, um, it needs to justify it because like, if I just want a lot of money, that's not okay. (laughs) 
somehow we've decided that that's bad, but yeah. we're allowed to be really awesome business owners. Totally. But right. But, but that comes with, <laughs> but you, you know, <laughs> don't, don't not, not too good. Um, so it's just working on understanding that it, it doesn't, it shouldn't have a moral value. Yeah. Right. When yeah. your podcast was growing or has been continuing to grow, it comes with monetary benefits. Totally. It doesn't yeah. make the hard work that you do to make this podcast so awesome. Yeah. Worse, yeah, exactly. But it, gets, I mean, it has no moral value. Exactly. I mean, and with my coaching, right? Like, so I, I coach humans through a lot of stuff and I've got programs and all of that. And of course, of course, the more people I help, the more money I'm going to make. That's generally how it works, you know? And I think that that, for me, that gets to feel really good. And then I think for people who haven't really quite worked through that, that might not feel so good to them. Yes. Right. And it's starting to learn how to talk to people about that. So when you're doing your coaching, Mm-hmm. Um, does money come up a lot with your clients? Uh, yeah, because you know, a lot of my clients are business owners, right? And a lot of them are either generally, if I'm working with them one-on-one, they are very financially successful, but they're not super happy. They don't feel free. And then the other clients like in my group program or some of my other one-on-ones are more of like, they're working to get there and they have that goal. Um, so of course we're working to help them get there. Like in a really nice, like, like freeing kind of way, not like work yourself to the bone type thing. Absolutely. And that's, I think the important piece is knowing that to me, when you are, especially a self-employed business owner or are coaching and working with people Mm one-on-one is one of the things that means that you're doing a really good job. Mm -hmm. And you're good at what you do and people see huge value in what you're providing for them is monetary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a positive sign that what you're doing is working and it's not bad. It's good. That means (laughs) that you're, you're adding value. You're creating value for someone. You know, what's funny too, is like, I've heard people say like, especially when you're doing like a thing, you know, things like this, uh, that's, that's helping people, right. If you have a profession that helps people and people are like, well, why don't you just do it for free? Like, and it's like, okay, so if you don't help anyone in your job, right. Like you just, you go to work and you don't help a single person, like you should get paid for that. But someone who's <laughs> helping, like a, they have a helping career, they shouldn't. <laughs> like they should, what are they supposed to do to live? Right. <laughs> so bizarre. Because if you are helping someone, and they expect it to be for free. Well, it's like, unfortunately, my groceries last time I checked, they ain't free. were not on um, goodwill and because I'm a nice human. <laughs> right. Like, we would all love that to be the case, but it costs money to be able to do the things that we want to do. Wouldn't that be awesome, though, if like everything, if you were just like a nice person, like everything was just free. <laughs> yeah. If there's a different credit system instead of cash, it was. Being nice, good deeds. being kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. good deeds. That'd be sick. That'd be so fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember who said this. Um, and I tried to look it up real quick, but I, I have no idea because I think it, you know, sometimes quotes get like blurred. Uh, last thing you know, it's like Abraham Lincoln said it. And it's like, probably not. <laughs> um, but the quote is, you can't get poor enough to make a poor person rich. Oh, yeah. And there's such a like this, like, 
um, throw yourself on the sword, like altruistic, like you're so much better and morally high, you know, higher if you aren't, if you aren't making money or you aren't, you know, doing well financially. But like when you, when you aren't doing that, right? Like if you are blocking yourself from money uh, or keeping yourself from making money, well then how are you supposed to help people, right? The more money you have, the more people you can help. Absolutely. And that's, you know, finances, money is a huge stress. Mm. It's one of those things we know now through like behavioral finance and psychology that there's a certain threshold for all of us that if you make make enough money to be able to pay your bills yes. and live okay, that's where money stops adding a true amount of happiness value. Absolutely. That's the, like, when, when they say like money can't buy happiness, it's like, well, it can to an extent, like if you hit that point, right. At that point where like, you're not worried about paying your bills or anything and you can get a few extras and stuff, then yes, that's, that's the point. (laughs) That's, that's the point, right? So everybody wants to at least get there where you're no longer having to scrap with your significant other about whether or not the Mm. utility bill can get paid, right? Right. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to live in that place. So step one is how do we get there? How do we make the budget work to get to that spot where that part of money conflict is gone? And then it's going, well, what do you want the next step to be? Mm. You know, you've got, you're able to save a little extra every month. Part of that can be going towards that long-term big goal of not having to go to your job anymore. But the other part of it is what awesome vacation do you want to take? with your family or with your person what upgrade do you want to make if you own a home or do you want to go from renting to owning right let's dream about what what that coach next do you want to invest in <laughs> what coach do you need to make sure that you're not stressed about saving money <laughs> or feeling bad about it right yeah. those are all that's the next level that's how yeah you get That's that expansive level, right? Like where people are, they're all in that stress and stuff. Like they can't usually see to that point if they're, if they're, if they're drowning, right? If you have to be in that, do I pay my electric bill this month or do I pay my car payment? And like, can I alternate the two? So it never goes too far type thing, you know, and I think times that we're in right now can be scary for a lot of people. So they can't really see that vision of the other side. Right. Exactly. And it's knowing that there's always cycles. There's always business cycles where things feel really hard. Economics are tough. Groceries are more expensive. Things are tougher. But it's how do you work with people, whether it's a financial advisor, your coach, um, your others, like people in your life to make sure that you're not making it either bigger in your mind than it needs to, that then you're not able to accept what's coming towards you. Yeah. And how do you keep it in check from a mental priority list while also making sure that you get everything done, right? When things are more challenging economically, do you find that it comes up more in your conversations or less? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because uh, <laughs> I know not everyone can do this, but I kind of disregard what's going on in the world, right? Because it's always going to be up and down. It's always going to be good economy, bad economy, you know, the the real estate bubble in 2008, all of that stuff, right? There's always going to be something going on. But the fact of the matter is that there's always money and it's always <laughs> circulating. 
And so when, when my clients are really focused on what am I going to do and, you know, and all of that, it's like, Hey, listen, if it's all going to go to shit, right? like if you're going to, if you were afraid you're going to lose it all anyways, then like, let's at least have fun while we're doing it. Right. Like let's at least do the stuff that you want to do. And that usually is what makes them money. And so a lot of them aren't necessarily feeling the effects because they've gotten themselves into a space where they're just like, it's, it's just not in there. They're not available for it. Right. Because I think when you, when you decide you're broke or when you say you're broke over and over again, and you have that story, then that's your reality. And a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, and anyone who wants to punch me in the face for saying that, (laughs) Uh, you know, it's not about like, Oh, this is your fault. And like, you're creating your own reality, but it's like, when it's, when it's all you can focus on and it's really hard to not focus on it when that's your reality and you're struggling to pay your bills, you know, it's hard to get out of it. It becomes this like cyclical cycle. And so you have to like pattern break to get out of it. Right. You have to really focus on stopping yourself mentally Mm -hmm. from going down that lane. Cause we see it all the time. Like the pattern that you're talking about, I notice it in myself sometimes where like you're going to go buy a new vehicle and you think there's, you never see the red car that you really want mm-hmm. the day after you buy it. All you see everywhere yeah, is your brand new red car. Yeah. You see it everywhere. <laughs> you see it everywhere, everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. If all we do is focus on the negative and what the news is saying, that's all you're going to see. But if you can focus on the positive and what's coming up and the positive things that are the steps that you're taking every day, totally, you're going to get there. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're the type of woman who has unlimited earning potential. And I think a lot of you forget that. I think you forget that you can make money doing so many things, not just like what it is that's on your resume, but there are so many things that you're likely talented at, that you're naturally gifted at, that you're probably not tapping into that could make you money. And I think when we struggle, we forget all of that. And we just like kind of focus in on like, what's on my resume? What have I done? What can I do? There are no jobs, blah, 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 blah. When, you know, if you are an ambitious woman in general, you likely have so many untapped untapped talents and resources within yourself that you could make pretty good money from. You could do great. I'm not talking about feet picks. (laughs) No. Get that out of your head, girls. I mean, I don't judge you if you do, but (laughs) if you can do it, good for you. But you've got other talents. My feet are not cute. (laughs) My feet are not cute. I I can never do that. So so let's definitely talk about like finances and relationships because we like as we were saying before we hopped on here, you know, there there are three major things that couples fight about, and that is money, sex, and kids. And and money is a big one because it's that point of stress, right? It's so layered. So it layered. is. It's so layered. And one of the things that's really important is we all grew up with a different money story. Yes. And it's not going to be the same as yeah. your partner spouses. Yes. Money stories, money wounds, money. (laughs) Yeah. So the first part is understanding that it's, you're not going to look at money the same. You're not going to think about money the same way. Yeah. That's a really great point. The number one, the easiest way to get out in front of it is talk about how, 
how did your family talk about money when you were a kid? What was that environment like? If you were at the kitchen table growing up and all you heard your parents talk about or fight about was not having enough money or you spent too much money or you did this or you did that, that whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you think it's true or not, it shapes how you view money. Totally. That if they're always scraping or if like one of your parents had a crazy spending habit or like, you know, you heard the phrase like money doesn't grow on trees and things like that, um, that all seeps in and becomes part of your story. And whether or not you, it it could just be subconscious, right? And you're just kind of moving through with those same beliefs or you could be rebelling against that and and living a whole different money story because you're rebelling against like how your parents how your parents raised you and it, and it can be, it, it's crazy. Like <laughs> it the subconscious crazy. like level of it. Yeah. And if you can talk about it at, at some point where there isn't a situation, right? Like you're not trying to solve any money problem, right? but just go like, if we, if we won the lottery, what does money mean to you? Mm. So for me, money's always meant security. Yeah. To me, having savings means security. To other people, money means like freedom. Mm -hmm. And I can do the things that I want to do. And it's meant to be spent, not to be saved. (laughs) Yeah. So if one person in your house, money means security and the other person money is meant to be spent. Right. Oh, yeah. If you don't know that. There's going to be all this conflict that could be really easily resolved, but nobody had that pretty simple conversation. And it's just important to do it when there isn't anything about money. Right. You're not currently fighting. You're not currently (laughs) fighting about money. Maybe don't do it when there's, you know, halfway through a money fight. Um, But if you can do that when everything's neutral and fine. Yeah. Sitting on the couch, having a glass of wine. have have a bit of that conversation, it will make a huge difference. Yeah. And I think, I think as just as relationships kind of evolve and change over time, you know, like I've been with my husband, I think it'll be 12 years in, in November. Right. So we've been together almost 12 years, married for almost eight. And our, our relationship has shifted and changed over the years, right? Like we are not the same people we were in the beginning. And you know, what worked romantically in the beginning doesn't work now, you know, like we need and want and desire different things from each other in our relationship. And the same goes for money. Whereas, you know, when I met him, I was making more than him and he had like, you know, he, he was in this career that's really, really difficult to rise up in. And eventually, you know, he's making way more money than I was. And I, was able to go all in on a business. And so for a while, it was like a joint account with his money. (laughs) And I felt like, you know, I'd been castrated essentially (laughs) because I had to like, you know, so there was like weird stuff going on there and then things shifted and changed. And now we're, we're at the point where, you know, I'm able to contribute to the household and it feels really good for me. And I used to have like my own separate little, we called it my sneaky boogie bank account. Right. So it was like, mm-hmm. like he had, we had a joint account and he had his own like money account and I had my money account and then business and all of that. And I was like, when I started actually making money in my business, I go, you know what? I don't need my own account. And I don't feel like I need my own account. Like it's kind of why, you know, yeah. like I need to like, 
squirrel away. So <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I don't need that. I'm, I'm totally fine with it all being in one. And so like that evolved, but that may not, that would not have been right for us in the very beginning. And I think people really need to give themselves space in a relationship for things to shift and change. Oh, for sure. Right. Just like when you're doing anything, whether you're in your career, as you're raising children, um, when it comes to money, what you, what your goals are for money is is different today than it'll be in five years. And how you, you and your spouse talk about money are going to be different again in five years. And Mm -hmm. it should be like, that's, that's positive. Those are good. Those are good signs. We don't, we don't want it to be the same. You don't want to have the same goal in five years you have today. Oh my gosh. No, no, (laughs) no. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like kind of like being stagnant, essentially, you know, you're not really growing as a person. And then the same thing, you know, you're not really growing in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you suggest, like, we've got the having that conversation, that initial conversation, but like, how, what do you suggest to you, like about how to keep money as like a feeling more neutral, you know, in a relationship and not like too much hot button? <laughs> yeah, that it can be tricky, especially if it's new. If you grew up with money was always a conflict, that's sort of our default mode mm-hmm. to bring that communication style in. But one of the things that have worked really well for my clients is we talk about things in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working with people on the financial planning side, when we talk about say their retirement goal or any of their big goals, it's not, it's not the money we name it. So if you're mm-hmm. saving to take your family on a month long trip to Italy, mm-hmm. for example, the goal for the saving choice, <laughs> great choice. I recommend it to everyone. If you're saving to be able to go on um, one of the beautiful looking lux retreats you have planned for next year, yeah. Tuscany, we would call it the Tuscany retreat. Mm-hmm. And the due date is the day you're leaving for the treat, retreat and you plan mm-hmm. it backwards. So when you're talking to your significant other, it's what's something fun that you want to do together in the next 12 to 18 months? Mm-hmm. That should be the first goal if this is new. Yeah. Something fun. Third, having a fun goal. Because you know what nobody wants to do? Save for the retirement that's 35 years. I, I would love everybody to get as much joy out of that as I do yeah. as their financial planner. But we're not wired that way, right? We don't do great as humans looking that far out. It doesn't work for our brain. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like any any goal, right? Like you can't goal. if you want to lose like a hundred pounds, like you can't just be like, okay, no. I'll celebrate when I get to a hundred pounds or my clients when they're like, I want to make a million dollars or four million dollars and they're at you know zero to start. It's like you need something on the in in between to feel like excited for <laughs> and celebrate. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. pick that first one and don't give it a money name. Give it whatever it is that you want to do. And name the bank account that. Oh, I like that. We can all go into, I believe most financial institutions would be the same. I'm in Canada. I know we can here. You log into your online banking, change, do a nickname on the savings account. Whether that's the new vehicle you want to buy, whether that's the trip you want to take, whether that's saving for the new house, it doesn't matter. Name it what it's for. 
Yeah. Because then if you ever have to take money out of it for something else, you're going, oh, but now I'm not robbing the savings account. I'm robbing the Italy trip. Oh, yeah. That I'm hits robbing different. my dream house. It does. Hit yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. So that is how I would, I would start it. Because then it's, it's a positive, it's a positive thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a huge money goal, right? Like you can start with something small, um, which, you know, like a trip to Italy, like, I mean, maybe for a month, that's a little more, but like, like, to go on a retreat or something like that, like, that's not, that's not too crazy, right? That that's something that you can, you can, you can put away for and and get to that relatively quickly, depending on what you're bringing and all that. Interesting. To pick the amount to put in, again, if this is new, from like a talking about it with your spouse standpoint, mm-hmm. pick something that you either individually do or you do together, say every weekend, that's totally discretionary. Mm-hmm. So what do you spend every month on massages? And take a quarter of it, and that's what you're going to put away every month towards this goal. Mm. What do you spend on eating out? Whatever, pick something simple so that it's a small amount that you're not feeling like you're on like a harsh diet and after two weeks you give up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of like, you know, the Dave Ramsey, Suze Orman stuff. Like I I think that there's like a specific type of person that that works for, or if you're in a specific place that that Mm. can help you with. But I think long-term and like, if you want to live in abundance, right. That, that diet mindset, that scarcity mindset with your money is like not the way to go go. Because ultimately, you know, I like you were saying, like some people they value security and some is freedom. And while it may feel like freedom to spend all the time, that can also be a form of scarcity, right? Like you're not able to hold on to money. You're not able to like feel safe with it in your account. Like you got to hurry up and, and spend it. And so getting to a place, I think with your money of being able to hang on to it, but also spend it mm-hmm. and, you know, save as you will, invest as you will, splurge as you will, and and be able to have that abundant feeling that you can do all of those things with the money and it's not going to run out. Absolutely. That's the key, right? Is yeah. finding that balancing act. And it it is always a balance, like everything in life, right? Mm-hmm. Is Uh-oh. sometimes we go too far. We spend too much time at work and end up, the family feels a little neglected. Mm. right it's all the same with money if you need to do a reset you know I do it once a year where I go to cash for a month Mm -hmm. it's not a long-term strategy it's a (laughs) short-term strategy to go okay where am I just maybe not allocating things properly but I don't think that that for some people it works yeah for me it does not yeah you know, it's just, you can do different things to reset, to make sure that you, you know, have got yourself back in check and things are working the way you want them to. But for a long-term strategy to, to talk to your spouse and talk about money, keep it really positive at the beginning. And then, you know, for, for, if you have kids starting to talk about money in a positive way so that their money story growing up they see that it, it's just a, a thing we use to be able to buy groceries. Mm-hmm. It's the form we have to give them currency. We have to give money to get the things whatever it is. Yeah. The things we want. Yeah. The things we want, the things we need. 
um, so that it doesn't, hopefully we start removing a little bit of moral judgment on earning or saving money. Yeah. One of the things I suggest to my clients too, um, like whether it be their business account or personal or whatever, is to go through and look at all of your transactions, right? And and how you mm-hmm. feel about them. Like, how does it feel in your body when you look at this bill that comes out or this payment or whatever? And and oftentimes, if it's a if it's something you can't get around, right? Like your electric bill. Well, then you need to change your energy around it. Like you can be mad mm-hmm. that you're spending money on your electric bill, but at the end of the day, you have lights you have heat or AC or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you need. And so getting your energy shifted around that and being like, I'm really grateful that I have lights. It's so cool to be able to see things when I want to, or like, you know, I'm so glad that it's a hundred degree weather outside lately and I get to feel nice and cool in my home. And so, but when you look at something that you're spending each month or you're, you know, paying for, and it's not something that's, absolutely necessary. Maybe you think it is, especially when it comes to business, right? Like, oh, this is, I have to pay for this. I have to, you know, spend money on blah, blah, blah ads or whatever it is. Right. It's like, but, but really do you, and, and how do you feel about that? And if you're not able to shift your money around it, if it's not actually doing something for you, then how can we let it go? Right. Then maybe that's what needs to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Right. It's we, I use a, a worksheet Mm. called the goals and concerns worksheet there's a bunch of different financial topics right whether it's are you protected for unexpected things do you have an up-to-date legacy plan all those things and i give it to each person individually and go rank from most important to least important each thing to you right now because we're going to redo this exercise every year (laughs) what we think is important today will be different Totally. Next year, it's sort of taking that transaction review, which is a fantastic idea. I'm going to steal that, um, <laughs> <laughs> and taking it just a little bit higher level. Yeah, it's, it's more theory, more like and then we worked out a little more zoomed out, right? Yeah. And it it helps to go. Okay, well now I understand why you're so concerned about this because you ranked it higher on the important scale. I had that as the least important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And it helps just gain a little bit of understanding between each person. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because a a lot of financial planning and money management is we each have our own ideas individually, but how do you make it work together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Whether that's with your business partners or with your spouse at home. Yeah. And I think like, you know, obviously this is a relationship piece, but having that trust, you know, like you yes. trust the other person not to just spend all the money or, you know, hoard all the money or hide it or anything, right? There has to be a level of trust for the most part um, to be able to have these conversations and to be able to like have goals together and mm-hmm. come to a common place where any of that wounding or stories get to be, you know, healed and you guys get to create like your own story. Yeah. And has that been like that changes, right? For yeah. you with your guys's relationship and as totally. the business grows individually and has its ebbs and flows on both sides. Totally. Like those conversations are different. Yeah. Yeah. We just opened it's so funny. We just opened him a business a bank account 
under my LLC. So it's like, we have an LLC for me. And then his, his is a DBA under my LLC. Right. And then we had to open him a business bank account because he's making money on his YouTube channel now. (laughs) So it's like a whole thing aside from like his actual job. And so having like that conversation now that's added into it, it's not just like households and like what's yours, what's mine. And now it's like, Hey, you know, your expenses need to come in and out of this and your revenue needs to come in and out of this. And this actually affects the bottom line of my business. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like very layered. Um, whereas like, you know, most people are just going to have their, their household, their household stuff, and they may or may not have a business. Um, but you know, all of it is going to shift and change over time. So be open, open to that and just like letting it. And each person has a different level of knowledge. Right. Right. With your with your business over the last you know number of years, you've gained all this insight Mm -hmm. into how you have to run those expenses and how to keep it clean Mm -hmm. so that taxes and all those like really annoying and practical things are fine at the end of the year that you're supposed to may or may not know. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Right? I was, so, I was audited in 2020 and that was like, Oh, <laughs> that was a crash that course. Was a, yes. That was a deep crash course, but you know, I came out on top of it. And so it's like, you know, having that going into it, feeling really, really scared and coming out of it, feeling really good and confident. And then, you know, moving through the business owner I am today and, and what do I do differently? I definitely keep things a lot neater. So I know it's not all in random spreadsheets and whatnot. You know, I have to hunt it down. My bookkeepers are are amazing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> but like, yes. You know, you learn all these things. And then, you know, when you when you bring your spouse into it or your significant other or even, you know, um, if you don't, it's still, you know, it's a lot. It's it's there's so much of this world. The money there world. is we've made it really complicated. Yeah, too complicated. <laughs> Finances now are not not like checking account. I get paid. I go to the bank. I take cash. Yeah, <laughs> off we go. Um, it's it's complicated now. So it's being open to going. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. What resources can we find? Right, just like having a mindset coach is so important. Mm-hmm. So is having someone that can help understand the rules and the yeah. nitty gritty. Yeah of the logistics side of how to run the money. Absolutely. I think that's huge. Just have, you know, like I would not have been able to do it like without my CPA who was incredible with his guidance, you know, like that was amazingly helpful just even over the years, you know, and having a business um, and even not. So like, you know, being a financial planner, you know, having someone who actually has your best interests and can help you figure out what to do because it is complicated, you know, and, and, and how to reach those goals. Yes. I feel forever away. Yes. To help make them a little bit more reality based and closer to you. And knowing that from the financial planning side, we're always talking about and planning for the fun, positive things, Mm -hmm. but it's also making sure that it has enough flexibility and nimbleness of the plan that if things go a little off track, yeah. Right. If life happens and something derails the goals that you can do it right someone unexpectedly loses a job somebody gets sick you know how can it adapt so that you're not panicked and feel like you can't help support if someone's ill so those are the back end parts that your financial planner and your CPA and your other financial professionals are helping 
to do and build into your plan. It's not always talked about as much, (laughs) you know, because like that's never the fun part of the meeting. But that is part of what's super important about talking about it and understanding going, okay, well, if this happens, if my spouse or if I get laid off tomorrow Mm -hmm. or for some reason the business has to close, are we okay? Right. What are we going to do? What's the emergency plan? Yeah. Having that. Having that that cushion and that plan or just like not even like you have to have like a whole like ABCD of the plan, but like having an understanding of like what you will do will help keep your nervous system in check so you don't go into that panic mode so that you can tap into your unlimited earning potential at that yes. moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that you have the space to be like, okay, I can decompress here for a minute, yes. take a breath. No one makes good decisions from a place of panic. <laughs> Nobody does. No Nobody one. Does. Stress so, and panic are like <laughs> the worst yeah. decision. Yeah. So it's having that ability, right? To have that space to go, okay, I'm going to be okay. So how do you recommend people find like, like someone like you, you know, like a financial planner that can help them, you know, that fits for them that they're not like, because there's a lot of professionals out there that, you know, I'm sure I've sat with some of them and I'm like, I can't, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I'm banging my head against the wall with you. So like, how do you suggest that people find someone that like works for them? You're going to have to interview a lot of people, Mm. right? Because when it comes to financial planning, you need to be able to have a meeting with someone that you feel like understands and gets your situation and what you're trying to accomplish. It is more relationship fit Mm -hmm. than it is technical knowledge. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right? I do think the technical knowledge is extremely important. Sure. Right? Like making sure that someone that you're dealing with is properly licensed, all those important good things. And then it's going, can this person help get me to the goals that I want to go to? Do they Mm -hmm. communicate with me in a way that works for me and my family? Can they meet me on a regular basis or in the format, whether that's in-person, video, phone calls, whatever that works for you? And know that it's probably going to change over the years. They may grow with you. They may not. And it's not bad. It just is. Yeah, I like that. I think I totally agree with that. I think that happens, you know, with all sorts of professionals that we hire, uh, whether it be a coach or, uh, you know, financial planner or a CPA or a bookkeeper or, you know, anyone that's all up in your stuff. Like, just like you grow and evolve as a person. Um you might, you know, you might need to work with someone else. So yeah. I've created it. I like checklists. So I have a checklist that I give a lot of my clients. I love checklists. They're like coming up out of school going, okay, you need to start finding, finding someone. And I want you to go out and, and talk to people about who you think you'd want to work with. Mm. Because I don't want people to feel like, because their mom and dad deal with me, they have to. It's important to know that Most people, when they're starting to work with a financial advisor or financial planner, don't feel dumb about whatever questions you have. Just ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the first person makes you feel dumb, like if they treat you like you're dumb, then they're not the right person. (laughs) They're not the right person. Right. Like I know the first time I got a business coach, I had no idea what I was looking for or asking. I just had to talk to a few of them until I found one where I'm like, oh, yeah, you seem like you get me. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure you've talked to prospective people where you're like, yeah, we're not going to jive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And that's okay. And then the ones that you do, you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. Even potential clients, you know, like mm-hmm. I've been like, this is, I can't work with you. <laughs> like, like I, I just don't think it's a good fit. I don't, I don't think I'm the right person. And to be able to say that as a professional is like, you know, it sucks, but you know, not yeah. everyone is for you. And that's part of the abundance thing, knowing that just because someone doesn't fit. Yeah. Doesn't mean the next person won't. Absolutely. I love it. So where can my listeners like find you, reach out to you, all of those good things? Where are you on the, in the world wide web? <laughs> world wide web. I'm most actively on LinkedIn and then okay. my, my website is judwealth.ca. Love it. And I'll, I'll make sure that I have available the two checklists that I talked about oh, yeah. if anyone would like them for how to interview a financial advisor and the goals and concerns sort of worksheet because I'm in, in Canada, it's quite different mm. versus the U S but a lot, those two things are universal. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. really appreciate you and all of your, your wisdom and the great chat. Thank you. If this episode hit with you, please go out there and share it. Share it in your Instagram stories, send it to a friend who might need it, or even just drop in my DMs on Instagram at Rose and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening.